everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 50. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Now, a quick reminder, after this episode, you can head over to rootlessliving.com, and you can still grab a free digital subscription, or you can actually pay to have a print copy sent to you. Just head over to rootlessliving.com. Today I'm talking to Casey and Liz, the duo behind Freeway Flippers, and this is a great episode for anyone that is worried about giving the full-time RV life a try and worried what will happen if they don't like it or if it doesn't fit their lifestyle and they have to go back to Bricks and Sticks. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Liz and Casey to the show. How are you guys? We are great. Loving uh, all the warm weather in Arizona. Finally got below 100 so we are pretty excited about that. Yeah, it was a brutal summer, but we're doing good. I always feel like when I see people when it's like, let's say, 75 degrees out and they have like a beanie and a parka, I'm like, oh, you're from Arizona. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much right. I mean, it's uh, in the 80s this morning and I walked out with the dogs and I was like, man, that's chilly. <laughs> that's so, yeah. so funny. It's all relative <laughs> to where you're from. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is kind of interesting. My last episode, I talked to a couple that hadn't even left yet. You guys have already gone and stopped and maybe I'll even use the word quit and we'll come back to that in a while because I think this is going to be a good topic for people. So let's take people back before you guys went full time RVing, kind of explain your life and what made you guys think about going full time in an RV. It started basically, and I'm Katie, by the way, uh, with my my job and career. So um, I worked as a catastrophe adjuster. And what that means is I basically chased hailstorms and hurricanes about eight months out of the year. Um, in the winter, when it wasn't storm season, I was able to spend some more time at home with work. But otherwise, I was on the road like 21 days every month. So after doing that a few years, it got pretty old, as you can imagine. Uh, just being separated that much and then just traveling, living in hotels, it was just getting pretty miserable for me. So yeah, I kind of brought up the idea to Liz. I mean, we really hadn't ever RV'd together other than a small trailer that we owned that was like, what was it, 18 feet? Yeah, 18 feet. Didn't even have a slide out. I mean, it was like a weekend warrior is what it was. Just bring it up and something small and you had to sit down so somebody could walk through the kitchen area. It was really tiny. Yeah, but even that, we never really spent a length of time in. I mean, we would go out like, Liz said it was kind of a weekend warrior, you know, once in a while. But it was it was my career that kind of led into the conversation of me approaching Liz saying, you know, this life kind of sucks being married and not being together, one. Um, but I'm like lonely on the road. And if I'm going to travel and, and work, I'd like to have you help her with me. So that's kind of what prompted it. And how long from the, the prompt to actually getting a rig and getting rid of stuff and then... I assume you got rid of stuff. Did you guys sell your home and take me through that process? It was one of those things, Casey, you know, like you said, brought up the idea of full-time RVing. We watched a lot of YouTube videos and I thought, wow, you know, that looks like a pretty cool lifestyle. And I think it took us a good three months to do research on which RV we wanted. We went with an outdoors RV because we really didn't know what climate we were going to be in. And they're very well made they're made in Oregon uh, they were supposed to be really good for you know the extreme temperatures we bought just a 29 foot travel trailer drove up to Washington bought our 3500 Dodge Ram 
And then we bought the trailer, drove it down here. And then within six months, we had sold our five bedroom house in Tempe, Arizona and sold everything in it. Um, that was a very, I think it was pretty quick. I mean, we, I, I think a lot of people take a year or two, uh, but we did it pretty much in about six months. And we looked back and thought, wow, that time went really fast. Yeah. And keep in mind that six months was also me still continuing to work. So I was on the road still three weeks every month while we were coordinating this. So yeah, for us, it felt really fast because it was really only you know, one week a month that we were together kind of really planning stuff out. You could almost call it <laughs> six weeks. Um, I know Liz was back home quite a bit, you know, getting stuff prepared, but I was kind of felt a little out of the loop just because I was constantly on the road. So it happened pretty quick. I mean, we're kind of the type of people that if we decide to do something, we kind of jump on it. There's pros and cons of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've kind of bought and sold a few homes over the years. Um, we just... I don't know if it's we get antsy or what the deal is, but we're kind of the type of people that like now is a good example. When we did come back, which we'll get to later, we bought a house in March and we've already bought a second property here. We'll, we'll get into more of that later. Yeah. So it sounds like the idea was, OK, we'll we'll be able to get a fifth wheel. I'm sorry, a travel trailer and mm -hmm. we'll travel for your work, which sounds, you know, I love you guys, but this sounds idiotic to chase storms in a trailer. You know what I mean? Like, and it was yeah. that the idea was to be able to go where you needed to go, Casey, for work. And you guys would just hang out there during that time or was. Yeah, that pretty much. So I had talked to my employer and, and got them to agree to pay for our RV spots versus hotels, which of course I was saving them a ton of money. It, it was not the smartest idea. Uh, looking back, I'll be honest. Uh, we definitely should have one kept our house in Tempe and not sold everything. So for those that are thinking about doing this, if you do own a home, you know, Liz and I would encourage renting that out at least for the first year that you're on the road, um, just to make sure that you do obviously like the full-time RVing, which Liz and I really enjoyed it. I, I loved the the RVing full time other than the chasing the storms part, which is what you just brought up. You know, full time RVing is supposed to be relaxing and you kind of call your shots from where you're going to go. And chasing storms is definitely the opposite of that, which I didn't think was going to be as brutal as it was. Um, well, because we're coming in at the end of storms. So we're not like actually like chasing after them. Casey gets sent to places that have been hit by storms. So we're coming in after, you know, there's been flooding or a lot of hail. And so that was just the biggest challenge. I remember one of the last places we were in was Houston after they got hit with one of the hurricanes with a lot of flooding. Which one was that? I can't remember the hurricane. Yeah. So many. And so the problem was to get close to where he was going to be working, a lot of the RV parks were flooded. You know, we just didn't think that far ahead and think that it would be a challenge to get spots at RV parks. But obviously, like, duh, like that's what was going to happen. So we just faced that pretty early when we started RVing. Yeah. And for the listeners, like chasing storms, like Liz said, it wasn't like, oh, there's a storm that's going to be in this state. Let's head in the RV and go chase it down. It was okay. Denver just got hit with hail. There's 4,000 claims. Our team needs to come in for, it was usually a 20, 21 day tour, we call them. So three weeks. So we were planning on, okay, we're going to spend three weeks in Denver in our RV. Great. And then we'll get a week off, which was my schedule. I'd work three weeks straight, get seven days off. So in that week off, we thought we could explore the areas and 
you know, enjoy all these cool new places together. But then a hailstorm would hit in Western Kansas. And then from there, we'd have to head to like somewhere in South Dakota randomly. To Liz's point, there would be times where we couldn't find any RV spots near uh, a mid-sized city because they were just full. We would be parking 40, 50 miles away from the city. And then I'd be getting a, a hotel night anyway. So I wouldn't be driving an hour and a half one way each day to, to do work. So, yeah, it brought up quite a few challenges with going to areas that were devastated by natural disasters and then us trying to find a place one and then get to it, which also got costly. That was the other thing going from state to state every month, sometimes multiple states. I mean, we went from like Iowa to Colorado down to Houston all within a couple months. And that can get expensive with diesel fuel, which we were responsible for the diesel fuel to pull our trailer because there was also a company car involved that the company was paying for. Yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, I look at my own life when we left in 2017, part of my thought process was I had to go to a lot of conferences for the job that I had. And I thought, well, this will be interesting. It was a hard pitch, even though it saved the company I was working for a lot of money. But what I learned really quickly is what you guys were talking about is that I was allowing work to kind of control my travel, which mm-hmm. made it difficult. And I had the same situation where I had to be in Boston or I think Cleveland actually. And I had the park pretty far out that I ended up where I was like, man, I just should have been in a hotel. And, and, you know, I scratched that whole idea. I think the only mm-hmm. time you really use, and you guys can correct me if you're wrong, use an RV for travel and work is when you control the places and the dates, like a book tour, let's say. Right. You know, but if you have to rely on where one day it's Denver and then you have to go all the way, you know, maybe all the way across the state and back and forth, that can be really tough. But, you know, it's not going to be a a saver in any way financially. No. And there were plenty of times, too, where it was like, okay, you're supposed to go here for three weeks and we'd be there a week. And then I'd get a phone call. Actually, no, we do need you over here. And it would be, yeah, three or four hours away. And so then you're repacking up. And yeah, it was just. And travel days, too. Travel days are hard because, you know. With an RV, you can't drive normally your 12 hours that you could in a car. You know, you've got a plan for stopping and gassing up and, you know, you're spending and we have animals, you know, we've got the dogs. So it would take us a good 45 minutes, at least when we were stopping to add that on to the travel time. So we would actually during Casey's seven days off, one or two of those could easily be our travel days. So then really, he's only got five days off and travel days aren't really the most relaxing days for me, at least. I thought they were a little stressful just trying to figure out things and, you know, the drivers on the road and driving a long distance and having an RV. So I would have really liked it if we just had shorter distances that would have made me a lot happier. Yeah. Like Liz said, my work usually allowed, like if my next city was within 12 hours, they expected us to be there within one business day and ready to work that following day, essentially. So yeah. And an RV then really not happening or safe. You know, we wanted to limit our days to like seven hours, eight hours at the very most. I would be happy with four or five. (laughs) Yeah. And so we were cutting into our personal time off that we were supposed to be enjoying seeing these sites and whatnot and having to pack up on a Saturday morning to get somewhere by Monday or Tuesday for, for me to start work again. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you guys, you go full time, you figure out Pretty quickly, it sounds like it doesn't work. How long were you guys in the rig? How long was full-time? Well, we full-timed in our travel trailer for four months. And then we realized that space was small. And we didn't really realize that RVing wasn't for us until probably a good 
eight months, I'd say into it. At first it was fine. We were having luck finding RV parks, Uh, but going back after four months, we upgraded to a fifth wheel. We ended up coming back to Arizona for winter. We boondocked a lot because it's really challenging here to find parks that are under 55 or that have availability. We learned really quick, the more you can plan ahead and get your reservations, you have to do that. You can't just be you know, spur of the moment. If you're boondocking, that's one thing that's different. But if you actually want a spot with hookups, um, so we came back here, got the fifth wheel. And then after that, probably a good a year and two months that we RB'd, but it wasn't until about eight months that we really looked at what we were doing and thought, you know, I mean, is not fun? is it for us? Yeah, right now in our life, just because financially it wasn't as, um, inexpensive as we anticipated. And I think, again, a lot of that was because my company is dictating our travel. So it wasn't like we could plan, like Liz was saying, very well. And when you can't plan very well and you're thrown off on where you need to go, it it, it can be costly just in, in a lot of different expenses. Yeah, a lot of the RV parks that we could find were, you know, the 50 to $60 a night plus diesel fuel. You know, the costs were, and then we, we definitely, we will say we loved trying out the different foods and breweries and stuff along the way. And so we did, you know, we wanted to experience the places that we were going to. So we did, you know, that became a little pricey, but you can do it right. I mean, if we had the flexibility, we would have done a lot more boondocking, boondockers welcome, the harvest host. We would have liked to do that and enjoy that kind of RVing rather than, you know, being told where to go and Casey pretty much being gone 21 days. Yeah, I know. I mean, in all theory, it sounds like a really good plan. And I think that's why it's interesting to kind of talk about it. You would think a job that required you to go to hotel to hotel, this is a great way to do it. Uh, even with that logistically, I could see too the company you know, they still have the mindset of, well, if he is back in Arizona and we need him to be in Florida, he can get there in one day. That's not true in an <laughs> RV. So I, I totally get all that. And I think one of the things I'm excited to have you guys here and talking is that I think a lot of people think that when you make the choice to go to full-time RV, you sell your home and you get rid of all your stuff. And I know the advice was to, you know, keep it and rent it. I guess I'm kind of a believer that if you have a five bedroom house and even if you want to do full-time for a while, I doubt you're going to want to come back to a five bedroom house. I mean, that's my personal opinion in the sense that five years ago, I wanted a 5,000 square foot home today. I built something, maybe 600 square feet, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, I think there's this opportunity that even if it is just for a year, let's say you're going to downsize anyways. It's kind of like when people talk about, well, I want to find a new job. Well then take a little gap in between the finding the new jobs. If you're going to downsize your house, why not take a gap? So let's talk about a little bit about just, you know, as much as you guys want to share. I mean, I'm not talking about details, but selling a home, getting a rig and then buying a home. Did that set you guys back really in any way? Or is it really kind of worked itself out for anyone that's really concerned about taking this leap, selling a home, buying a fifth wheel? It seemed like you guys sold your fifth wheel really fast and then you found new homes really fast. Fortunately, I mean, the Phoenix market, real estate market is like the hottest in the country or close to right now and has been the last couple of years. My advice to rent out a house, I mean, it would have financially helped Liz and I a bunch if we would have saved onto that or saved that house versus selling it. We did make money selling that house in Tempe. 
in hindsight, we would have made a lot more. And if we owned a five bedroom in Tempe now, we could rent that for quite a bit more than our mortgage was. So that's the only thing that we kind of kick ourselves for. But um, to answer your question, so we did okay on the house there, which helped us out, thankfully. The travel trailer we bought, the outdoors RV, those and Northwood Manufacturing. We have an Arctic Fox. Yeah, an Arctic Fox was our fifth wheel. So they're sister companies up in Oregon. Uh, they're really hard to find used, which is what intrigued me about them more than just the history of the company and, and the reviews and stuff like that. So when we sold our travel trailer, we I think we took a bath on that for right at about six grand. But we had that for we had it for probably seven or eight months. Yeah, like right at eight months. We bought it in March and sold it in December. Or no, we had it almost 11 months. I was going to say closer to a year. So yeah. we had it, let's say 10 to 12 months. Um, we did lose some money on that, but not as much as some of the larger production uh, type travel trailers, I guess. Like as soon as you take them off a lot type of thing. And then when we bought our fifth wheel, we ended up buying a new model, but it was a 2017. So there was a an RV uh, sales place in New Mexico, actually called RV Sales. And they just happened to have the model that we had been looking for um, sitting on their lot for a while because it didn't have a lot of bells and whistles. It was kind of a base model of of that fifth wheel, if you will. But it did have the electronic jacks, which is one thing I was looking for in a fifth wheel because I was tired of (laughs) manually uh, leveling every time with the travel trailer was getting kind of old. So with that said, we ended up saving quite a bit. We were, we were walking the lot in Phoenix, looking at these fifth wheels, which were going from 68 to 71. And we ended up finding a 2017 brand new for 49,000. Yeah, 49K. So we saved quite a bit off of the MSRP when we bought the fifth wheel. So I felt like we were getting a pretty, pretty good deal. Um, now, when we sold that, we sold it for 43. So that was another six and that was a year later. Or yeah. Right at a year later too. But if you figure, you know, if you're paying a mortgage every single month, like it was cheaper to pay those, pay that money. Yeah. Or rent in an apartment. That's kind of the way we looked at it. Um, we would have lost that money paying rent if that was a decision that we would have ever made, you know, or if we were, another thing we were thinking about was Airbnb being, you know, versus RVing. We got into e-commerce along this journey as well and met quite a few people that were traveling around just Airbnb for weeks in different cities. That was intriguing to us as well at one point. Financially, um, it didn't set us back as much as we've heard of it with with some other people. I mean, buying RVs and selling RVs can be costly. uh, Costly, yeah. But the challenge was, so because we had sold our Tempe house, when we came back, we had to stay in a vacation rental. So I think if we would have kept the house, it would have made the transition a lot easier because we knew we didn't want to. Well, first off, we couldn't really find a place that was long term out here in Arizona. So we stayed at the KOA in Apache Junction for a couple of weeks and then they were going to be full for winter. So we were running into the situation because we were leaving RV life where are we going to stay? So we chose the vacation rental, which happened to be our business partners. And it was right next door to where he lives. And then in the process, we sold, you know, we were trying to sell the RV. So we had it in storage place, a covered storage place, sold that. And then we were faced with, okay, now what do we do? 
So if anyone's listening, like I really wanted people to think about what will you do? Because there's so many people that are our age, you know, we're in our late thirties and a lot of people are seeing this as an opportunity to do something that people before could only do when they retired. And you really have to think, okay, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't like it? What am I going to do? So having a home to fall back on and a smoother transition than us scrambling to find where are we going to live? Are we going to buy a house? Like we lucked out and found a house. We only had to stay with my sister for about like three weeks to a month. We stayed with her, which we were, you know, had the luxury to do so. And then, you know, we were kind of rushed to buy something because we no longer had our fifth wheel. Like, what were we going to do? It's like we could have our Airbnb, but it was spring training back here in Arizona. There, you know, no our no Airbnbs to be found. So we were really kind of struggling on what to do. I had signed a lease for an apartment and then we ended up getting this house that we're in. I find it interesting that you guys left, you know, Arizona and then ended back in Arizona. I'll speak for me, you know, leaving California after spending almost my entire life in California. I don't know, 50 states. I think there's probably 30 that I would pick before California. (laughs) Sure. Well, us... That would be like, we would probably pick 48 of them before (laughs) California. No offense to anyone who's in California. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, I feel like what you're talking about, you know, you're, you're going back to a very high populated area, lots of demand, low supply. And that's one of the battles that I talk about, like with all of my friends in California, the cost of living is there because of the supply and demand. If you're a full-time fifth wheeler, You can really, if you have to call it quits and if you have a remote job or a job that requires traveling, there's airports. I'm pretty sure in every state, I haven't been to every state, but I think every state has airports. It's, it's weird to go back to a place that does cause kind of so much like stress and anxiety and trying to figure it all out when there's all these other areas. And so what was the draw to go back to Arizona? Well, we, that was another reason why I really wanted to RB full-time is I really haven't explored the country. And one of the things we took away from our being is how beautiful the U.S. really is. And we wanted that as an opportunity to kind of visit different parts of the area, you know, of the U.S. One of the places we really liked was Montana. We loved Whitefish, Bozeman. We loved Rogers, Arkansas. And we really got to explore a lot of areas. But we ended up coming back to Arizona. Home is where the heart is. And we really missed our friends and our family. And when we RB'd, we spent a lot of time in Apache Junction area, which is where we ended up. We stayed at Lost Dutchman State Park, which has beautiful views. I don't know if you've ever been there. Beautiful views of the Superstition Mountains. We boondock in between Gold Canyon and Florence. And really that opportunity, when we looked back on where do we want to put down roots again, we knew Apache Junction was a place. And one of the reasons the views, the traffic is not bad out here at all. We're still 30 minutes from now. What's our, our new warehouse where we can get into in a bit, but we are close to friends and family again, but we still feel like we have a piece that we liked about our which is just kind of the simplistic life and not being in the hustle and bustle. When we came back, we did look at like, downtown Phoenix, downtown Scottsdale, maybe getting a condo. And we just thought, why are we doing this? Like one of the takeaways from Marvin was just, you don't have to be stressed out in life. As like a listener, I can 
understand kind of confusion of going back to a big city. But Apache Junction, like Liz said, it's like 30 minutes outside of town. I mean, I grew up in small town Iowa, so I miss that environment. And this feels a lot more Midwest, if you will, kind of out here. But we came back because Liz still has her parents here. She has her sister here. And then we do have quite a few friends out here that we missed that we wanted to continue to hang out with. But we also, to that point of, of starting e-commerce, so we started a couple different physical product businesses that we sell through Amazon. We ended up having uh, or getting a warehouse out here recently. And so there was a draw of family and friends, but also business. We have some business partners out here. And for us to like continue to be on the road or to move to a different city, there's just a lot of, a lot of time that needs to be spent on our businesses. So us being here is important, at least for the next few years. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, business, family, friends, it all makes sense. It's just interesting yeah. to me that, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people too, that have done it for a while and. I won't say that they've quit. And again, quit's a harsh word. And I, I have a little inside information on you guys that the idea of a, a trailer or a fifth wheel coming back into being, you know, kind of weekend warriors again, it's, it's not like a, nobody quits the house life and joins the condo life. You know what I mean? And, and somehow, you know, I, and I deal with this with the magazine where people will say, Hey, would you like to do a story about us? And I'm like, sure. Tell me about it. Well, we're full-time RVers. And I'm like, that doesn't qualify you. That's like if I did a magazine about California and you're like, hey, we live in California. Right. It doesn't make you. And I think a lot of times, too. And that's what I'm kind of battling with now or because I had no influence in this lifestyle. I make the joke a lot that I thought I invented it because I thought, hey, let's get out of California. You know, I'll rent at the time thinking an RV, travel through Texas, figure out where I want to live. And then it kind of went from there. But I wasn't watching an Instagram or YouTube or anything that was saying, hey, this is a lifestyle that you can do. Mm-hmm. And I think we get caught up in this, you know, that the lifestyle is somehow makes us interesting and it really doesn't. I mean, your lifestyle is interesting, but it doesn't make you more interesting than if you own a home or you own a condo or an apartment or live in an airplane, whatever it is, it could be different than other people. And so this idea of like the two terms I hate is newbies and quitters. It, it's not that it's the, I mean, I'm just glad you guys gave it a shot. You tried. You know what I mean? There's people that won't try. They'll come up with all these excuses. Can't sell the home. What if we don't like it? What if it, whatever it is. And that's what I kind of like about you guys is you guys at least were willing to give it a shot, which is amazing. And it sounds like, you know, besides the, you know, the Casey work schedule, it probably would have done really well. And I can also know knowing your guys' kind of business, it's hard to do while traveling. It's doable, but it's tough to do. And it, it yeah. just makes things a little easier. But I think ultimately, you know, I thought about this today that, uh, and this is, this is a harsh term and I'm not speaking directly to you guys, but Hey, congratulations, you failed. And, and that's an interesting statement because, because at least you tried, you know what I mean? That's what a failure is. If you guys want to ever categorize this as a failure, which it doesn't sound like you should, but at least you tried. And that's what I like about it is I think there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, we can't because of this, the family, friends, work houses. And you guys took all that on. You gave it a shot figured out it wasn't for you and you got right back to your lifestyle. And actually, I, mean, I didn't really know you guys before full-time RVing, but it sounds like just because of the the properties and the business, the things are actually going better than when you guys left. Yeah. I mean, we can't complain right now. I mean, things are good selling on Amazon, which you're well aware of can be challenging. Like you said, they're just, uh, they're frustrating to deal with at times being on the road 
doing that was a lot more difficult than we thought it would be, honestly. Internet being one of the biggest challenges. I mean, boondocking and internet is a challenge of itself. Which we would have liked to do more boondocking, but his job, but also we needed the Wi-Fi. Like we needed having YouTube. I mean, you need to upload videos and the Wi-Fi was like my biggest complaint on the road. Especially the RV parks where we would go. I remember we were at Lake Conroe, the Thousand Trails, and they had us pay for it. And we literally, like, I could touch the booster and we could not get any signal. So that was like one of my frustrations with living on the road. But we made it work. We just went to coffee shops or, you know, Starbucks or whatever and got free Wi Fi. Like I mentioned before, if we kind of set our mind to something, we do it, we try it. I mean, that's what life is about, I think. I mean, I take a lot more risks and I think a lot of, even some of my friends do. Some of my friends think we're crazy some of the times <laughs> just because, you know, we do. We buy a house, we'll live in it a year and a half and be like, eh, let's just sell it and do something different. Or let's RV, you know, let's, you know, that, that's just kind of our personalities. But I think to me, I would like to go back into full time RVing probably in like 15 to 20 years. I was so jealous of these couples I would see some older, but some, you know, in their even early fifties that weren't having to, wasn't having to worry about work and they were just hanging out and they tell us about what they were going to do that day. And it was all this cool stuff. And I was like, that, that's what I envisioned coming out here. And it was a very unrealistic expectation because I knew what the demand of my job was, but I was really hoping that week that I did get off of work, that it was going to be more of that. And unfortunately, it just turned into a lot of trying to plan for where I was getting sent next. And sometimes I wouldn't find that out till like the Thursday of that week. And then from Thursday to Sunday was basically, I wouldn't say ruined, but it wasn't as enjoyable because it was like, crap, we got to be eight hours away. We got to do this, this and this. And uh, now we can't do these things that we were wanting to do. So, yeah, but going back to like, I don't consider us failing at all. I mean, you know, we have our YouTube channel and there was the one video that I did about things we didn't like about RVing because I really wanted people to know, like, it's not just sunshine and rainbows. You know, there's things that you really need to consider about RVing if you want to try that lifestyle. And I just don't think it's a failure because we got to do something that people, one, will never do or you know, historically people didn't do until they retired. So I am super thankful for the opportunity. I learned a lot about myself. I learned about being patient. Uh, I learned about conservation, you know, like right now our current house is on a well. Well, I think the neighbor, it's a shared well too. I think the neighbors were a little nervous with, you know, our age coming in, they're probably thinking, oh, well, they're just going to soak up all the water. But I'm like, no, look, we had 80 gallons of fresh water and 65 gallon black tank and gray tank. We know how to conserve water. So we learned how to live tiny. And I really think that there were a lot of positives that came out of this and it just didn't fit our time in our life. But like Casey said, I would love to do it again. We have a lot of experience now to where when we do it in the future, I think it's going to be very enjoyable for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that when you go full-time, you have to go full-time forever. And I, I've been trying to battle that stigma too. I mean, I personally today, you know, I feel like if I ever bought property, I would always be in a situation where I could be wheels up in 30 minutes if I had to, and not some weird prepper way, just that, you know, Hey, I, I really enjoy this enough, but then I also do, 
there's things I miss. I do like when we, you know, I mean, COVID obviously was terrible in a lot of ways, but being kind of stuck in one place for three months, you, know, you got back to a rhythm on some things, you were doing some things. And I was kind of like, Hey, I kind of like this like pause, even though I was still living in the RV, it's just a pause on the travel pause on that for a little while it was good, but it was just, it was really nice once, you know, the gates were open, you could start traveling again. That was amazing. When did you guys, um, land back in Phoenix and, and like put the, the fifth wheel in storage. When about when's that? It was last Thanksgiving. Okay. So you guys like literally the timing was pretty amazing too, because you know, you fast forward to March, uh, selling a fifth wheel would have been tough. July would have been really good. You know, it seems like it picked back up really quick where everyone said, okay, that's it. I want some sort of RV, but yeah. your traveling would have been limited in any ways. What's going on with work? I was thinking about that when you were saying what happened to work, Casey, with them wanting you to fly all the time. Uh, are you still working for that company? Or are you guys? Pulled yeah, so I okay. still work for the company. And, you know, the speaking of the timing, I mean, right when the COVID and everything hit is usually when I started traveling the most because uh, spring is when the, the bad weather starts to hit. So um, I had done a tour in the Bay Area, California in January, um, which I would normally drive to places. Honestly, they wouldn't like I would I have a company vehicle. So, you know, if it's a couple of days away, we would just drive and stay in a hotel on the way there and then bunk up when we were at whatever city I was sent to. So I didn't fly a whole lot because um, my team is spread out throughout the country. So if something hits in Florida, they really wouldn't send me normally because we have people over there. So um, but anyway, um, still work for the company and I've been working from home. Um, like a lot of the people with big corporations. Um, and it might be, you know, I, I typically worked from home anyway. I never went into an office. So if I wasn't sent to a, a hailstorm cleanup, for example, um, then I'd be working from home primarily anyway. So yeah, I, I still work for that company um, currently. And then we're still running our Amazon businesses and, and trying reselling. to grow that. And then, yeah, Liz is really ramping up our reselling on eBay and Poshmark and Mercari and all those platforms. So now that we're back here, and that's something that we were kind of getting into before we RV'd. And, you know, we were thinking, oh, we could just eBay on the road, find small items. And that isn't very practical unless you have a product that sells very regularly that you can source all the time. And, and a then, small, you have to have small stuff yeah. because you can't fit a lot on the RV, which we only had a few bins. But I made it work. I still did it. But the travel days were challenging because a lot of times I would try to get the item shipped, you know, within same day or the next day. And if you're traveling like how we were traveling long distances, you know, there were times where I had to turn the eBay store off because we were going to be driving and I couldn't be stopping and, and pulling out all the bins and then all the stuff I need to print the labels and you know, so my eBay business was really non-existent on the road. I did as much as I could, but now that we're back, we're really ramping that up and that's exciting things in the works. Yeah. Cause we again had plans to go to like all these bigger cities where Liz could source for not only eBay, but retail arbitrage with Amazon, you know, and send into Amazon. But when we found ourselves in small town, West Texas or Kansas or South Dakota, you name it the options of sourcing got very limited. Um, so it really wasn't worth, you know, Liz trying to go out and find any items. So that part of our business pretty much like Liz said, went to a stop. 
So now that we're back here, um, we are taking advantage. In fact, the house that we're in is very small. I think it's uh, like it's less than four. It's like fourteen seventy one square feet, which coming, big, coming from a fifth wheel, I was like, there is so much room. And but a good thing is because we sold everything in our Tempe house and then we, you know, RV'd literally our spare bathroom has nothing in it. Like we still have empty cabinets. Like yeah. we really still believe in living tiny, even though we're in a house. And we bought it primarily for storage. So our bedrooms are used for eBay storage. So fast forward uh, to where we are now, you know, this was last Thanksgiving when we moved back here. So our physical product business on Amazon was 90% FBA, which worked great for a long time. But with Amazon fees and now with tariffs and shipping fees going up and you know, the dollar versus yen, it's just all these costly fees made us decide to pull a lot of our inventory out of Amazon and warehouse it ourselves, and then send in Amazon in a more controlled environment because a lot of the products that we buy do come from overseas. And so we were having those shipped directly into Amazon, all of our private label stuff, which started to add up with storage costs. So we decided to pull a lot of it out. So that's why this house is 1500 square foot. We actually bought a second property that's about 1250 square foot. That's a little two bedroom, two bath. We're going to move to that one because it has a 1200 square foot outbuilding on the property. And it has a spot where we can have people come in their RVs, which we're really excited yeah. about where they couldn't at this property. We're kind of out in the middle of the desert. We're on dirt road. There's no way that a fifth wheel could make it here. We knew we couldn't even store our fifth wheel here right. if we wanted to, to try to sell it. So this new house, we were really excited about because it not only has the outbuilding. Oh, and we're going to have a pool <laughs> where we came back to Arizona and thought we don't want the maintenance of a pool. We want low maintenance, you know, still live the simple lifestyle. And then it was like the worst summer on earth here and COVID hit and all that. So. We now have the house with the pool. We have a little casita for people to come visit. And really, it's just going to fit our lifestyle. But we had time to start looking for that. Where When we when we first stopped our being, we just felt really rushed to try to get something rather than to rent an apartment. Yeah, and it's been fun following your adventures with your neighbor <laughs> as well, too, in that first place. <laughs> just reminding me that... It doesn't matter if it's RVing or bricks and sticks. You can always move into a spot and there's just a weird neighbor. And, and that was, yeah, the, the yeah they're not, they're not nice people. Yeah. And that happens. <laughs> Even though they have an RV, I feel like they need to go out and just relax. <laughs> it happens too. I mean, I think people think somehow again, you know, rainbows and unicorns, if you get into a, an RV and you hit the road, that those things don't happen. They still happen. It's not that big of a difference. But one point I just want to touch on that. I think you guys mentioned is the whole Amazon FBA, FBM stuff like that. A lot of people might not know those terms, but what I want people to think about, especially in and around Prime Day, I saw a lot of real negativity in and around Amazon and Jeff Bezos and how much money he's making. I don't think people understand that it's the, the Casey's and Liz that are making money as well through that. I think most people honestly think they're just buying from Amazon when they go to Amazon. And I, and I remember reading some stuff a while ago where like Amazon even wants to get out of the owning the product. They want it all to be kind of owned by Casey's and Liz's and being up on the site and being sold. So I just something I wanted to say that if you're one of those people that are hearing about how much money 
Jeff Bezos is making and all this kind of stuff. Just keep in mind, there are people like Casey and Liz that this is the way that they source their income as well, too. They use this site. Uh, same thing with eBay and, and a lot of these other ones. It's just weird that people don't put those two together. But maybe it's something you have to be inside the bubble a little to realize. And Yeah, I mean, it's definitely wild when you look at Jeff Bezos' wealth. He essentially just set up the perfect system for commerce. And he's reaping the benefits of coming up with the idea and making it happen, essentially. But you're right. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of third-party sellers that are making the machine of Amazon even possible. I think Amazon has something like 800,000 employees. I think they're adding another 10,000 here soon in Seattle. So, you know, Amazon's existence, although Bezos is filthy, filthy rich, um, it is, it's benefiting a lot of people throughout, throughout the world and times are changing. The sticks and bricks uh, department stores. I mean, does it really make sense for them to rent all that space and have all the product just sit versus these mega warehouses that Bezos has set up? It's just a different model and it, it's one that makes more sense, which is why he's, again, so crazy, crazy rich. And it gave us the opportunity. I mean, I, I taught preschool and kindergarten for 10 years. And I wouldn't have been able to travel with Casey if that was my job. I mean, I would have had to be in the classroom and only travel on the weekends, which was going to be tough. So, I mean, really, Amazon has opened a huge opportunity. I mean, our businesses are are still doing well. We just invested in a new business that's going to be launching hopefully next month. And then we can release that information on our social media, which that's why we have a warehouse here in, in Phoenix for those products. But really, it's it's been a huge opportunity for us. And it's a good opportunity for people to be able to travel and live anywhere and still be able to sell on Amazon. Yeah, I think the whole FBA fulfilled by Amazon. So those of you who don't know, you you can buy products or, you know, resell almost anything and you send it to Amazon. Amazon handles pretty much everything for you. And then there's fulfilled by merchant, which is you're listed on Amazon. I think that's what like even Tim and Finn were doing for a while was they would list it on Amazon. They ship it directly. Now I think they've, everything's being done by Amazon, but it's, it's amazing side hustle. I mean, like that's where I'm like, I'm surprised people aren't looking at this because it can really grow into your main hustle and it's yeah. something almost anyone can do which is phenomenal. And then even if I think a lot of people didn't realize that if they had a, a clothing company, cause I even looked at at the time when I was doing a lot of realist stuff, like I could put this stuff on Amazon too and not have to carry around the shirts and the packaging and everything you thought about. So there's just some cool stuff there. I think for me, I look back to my California life. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever went to a Walmart in California cause I had so many different choices from bricks and sticks right. to do my shopping since being on an RVer. I, I think the majority of my shopping has been done at a Walmart, to be honest with yeah. you, because there aren't I mean, choices. They've, they've wiped out entire towns business, you know, because a Walmart comes in and it takes out every hardware store, every mom and pop. It, it just, yeah. It, yeah, it depletes it. It makes sense in big cities because there's still, there's a battle that can be fought and won, but in these small towns, you know, and I'm a big, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say that I'm a big, like, you know, everyone has the opportunity to make money, but there is that one where it's like, wow, there's nothing in this town, but one store that, that's a little weird for me. Yeah. Growing up in small town, Iowa, that was kind of what I was used to seeing. You know, you'd have like a Walmart come in and that was your only option within a half hour to 45 minutes, sometimes more. You know, if you went to a mall, it was like 
eye-opening of all the different options you had. It was so it's not like this concept hasn't happened before. You know, Walmart, to your point, did it. And then I mean Amazon's just the Walmart online, um, even though Walmart's competing with them now. But you know, Amazon's leaps and bounds ahead of them when it comes to like their third-party selling platform. Walmart's is horrible still. So they've got a ways to go, but it's been done before. And now going back to the small town, Iowa stuff with Amazon, you have all the that I do living in Phoenix, you know, and that's where it is a great platform. I mean, we, when we decided to do the RV living, you know, I instantly started looking at how can you make money online? So I could try to find a way for Liz to make an income and, and, you know, provide for us while I was working. Amazon just seemed to make the most sense. And the more research we did, the more eye-opening it became. And to your point, really, anybody can do it. A lot of people that we've met over the past few years as we've gotten into it kind of do have this perception that it's, oh, you can just send in anything and make money. We started learning about Amazon around 2017 as far as selling on it. You know, I was the one that was thinking when I was buying stuff on Amazon, it was coming from Amazon. I felt that way for quite a few years as a Prime member. In hindsight, had I known about selling on the platform back in like 2011 and 12, I think it was 12 when Prime came out or whenever it was, had we known about selling on Amazon five years earlier, it would have been more of a game changer. I mean, it's it's changed our lives in a sense of we're going to have this business for a very long time and it's bringing us money in. But early on, there were some people uh, that that's when it were the times of you could literally send in anything and it would sell and make you money because there weren't that many third-party sellers. It was essentially like a gold rush, if you will. If you were a seller on the platform early on, I say early on, I say like 2011, 12, then it was a lot more lucrative and a lot easier than it is now. Um, not that it's you can't make money. It's a very viable business, but it is not a get-rich-quick type of business. It's something that you takes have to a lot... Build it on the side. Yeah, it takes a lot of patience, a lot of a lot of hours, a lot of dedication. It's still a very good business. I mean, we've been profitable since essentially day one. We've never taken any business loans, which is something we're very happy with. So it's built from the ground up, if you will. And we can do it anywhere, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that's the great thing about a side hustle is if you don't start pulling money out, if you just reinvest it back into the business yep. over and over, it'll grow itself to the point where then you can say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to quit my job. I, I mean, that was the dream early on for me was let's I want to be able to quit my job as soon as I can. Um, not that I don't appreciate my job, but, you know, working for a corporation and, and for somebody else is is great for some people. Um, it's something I've done my whole career and I'm I feel like I'm just not quite built for it much longer. You know, I look at I've got a lot of years ahead of me and um, it's just a lot more interesting to me to do run businesses and, and see them grow and whatnot. But Amazon's been fun and works. we've met a lot of cool people. Yeah, definitely met a lot of cool people, both uh, in person and, and online and have been inspired by a ton of people just because he is a, like a W2 employee and working for a corporation. I don't know if like drink the Kool-Aid's the right term, but you know, over time, you start to think like this is the best option or the only option in life. You know, you talk, you meet coworkers that have been with the company 30, 40 years, and some of them are super happy and 
a lot of them are like very regretful and even my own manager and I have had a conversation where he wishes he would have taken more opportunity earlier in his career because he had them, you know, but it meant leaving the company that we worked for and he had kids. So, it was, you know, it was just a scary thing for him. So he didn't do it. But in hindsight, had he, he would have been a lot more well off. So just one of those things that uh, for, for me, it's it's most important that we put the money back in the business right now, which is why I'm so working for the company that I am. But ultimately, I won't be a, a, a corporate employee. I don't remember the study that I saw. And I know that Gary Vaynerchuk talked about it once too, where they went in and they dude, like all these 80 somethings in retirement homes, and they couldn't get one person to say, I wish I would have worked more. And I wish I would have made more money. Yeah. And I thought that's even the, you know, I wish I would have had more money wasn't, you know, like, what are your regrets? What are things you wish you would have done? Money wasn't it and working wasn't it. And yet we still as a society really push this. I think this is kind of a cool transition in the sense to, I like to do this high and low. It's my way of staying out of the, the rainbows and unicorns in any aspect of life. Normally I ask it in and around RVing. Let's uh, talk about, you know, transitioning back. What have, what's been a real high and what's been a real low? We'll start with the low, you know, getting rid of the RV and buying a new house. What was kind of a low and what's been a high being back in the bricks and sticks? I think maybe the low moment for me would have been, I didn't, I wish I would have been like not been so stressed out with everything. When traveling or coming back? Coming back. Oh. Like it just was very stressful, like thinking, did we make the right decision? Are we, you know, we're leaving a, a great lifestyle, like are we doing it for the right reasons? And I think that, well, me, I kind of think like Liz mentioned earlier, when we were coming back, we were kind of forcing ourselves into a lifestyle that really wasn't for us. Cause we're, it was like, okay, so we sold our house, we sold everything. We went into RVing. Now we're coming back, like, let's do the, the condo downtown because, you know, we don't have kids. So we do go out a little bit more than most, or we go out to lunches and stuff like that a little bit more than most. So it was like, we're thinking to ourselves, like, let's live this, this walkable downtown life. Like to hustle, where we're, bustle. Yeah. And when we got back, it was a little bit of a downer because we were like, we're not liking this at all. Like we went, we went out to look at several places and it was like, like Liz said, we did have that question of like, okay, did we make the right choice of coming back to Arizona? Cause we left here. And like you said, it didn't really make sense to come back to a big city when you, when you leave RVing. Um, it's a lot more comfortable uh, to come back to a very quiet, small, easy maintenance, uh, which is, you know, what we ended up with, but, but, uh, yeah, I guess that would be a low of coming back of just feeling that, um, I'm trying to think if there were any other lows come up throughout this. No, that was last, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to scare people to not do it. Don't get crazy with your lows. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about a high? What's been a big high being back? What's something you guys have really enjoyed being back into bricks and sticks? I mean, the, the, the friends have to be the biggest high. I mean, we missed a couple weddings, some birthday parties, and, you know, we we're pretty social people, which is the excitement of RVing is going out and meeting new people and doing that, all of that. Because everybody had a story I loved. I mean, we met we didn't meet as many people as we wanted that were our age, but we met a lot of people from different age groups. And we met a lot of interesting people that came from all walks of life that we will always 
think about, and we oh, still yeah. do talk to some people. Yeah. Our friend Jim, he's coming down here. We met him boondocking. But yeah, being back here, I think the high has just been getting back into our routine and really like having the opportunity to really grow our businesses where, like I said, we invested in another business that wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't have grown our original Amazon business to where we have the funds to invest in other things. Now we have two houses. Those are investments. So I really think that, you know, from a financial standpoint, we're really setting ourselves up in a positive way. Yeah, we've been able to just plan a lot better better, and uh, relay our investments, if you will. That's definitely been the high is just kind of, kind of knowing that we're setting ourselves up for example, when we do plan on either full-time RVing or what we'd really like to do is, you know, it gets really hot here in the summer. A lot of people have summer homes here in Arizona. So they'll buy a house, you know, two hours north of here or up in Flagstaff, Pine, Pine Top. There's a lot of communities that you can buy really nice little cabins or whatever you want to buy. And it's RVs too. There's a lot of RV parks where people just have theirs for just the, right. the summer. Yeah, so we would like to RV in the summers or maybe three to six months out of the year RV and then come back to our modest house here in Apache Junction or even down the road, maybe move away from Arizona. Right now, the Amazon businesses are the primary reason that we're we're back in Arizona. And then secondary would be friends and family for sure. I don't see us being in Arizona forever. Um, I still want to have a place in Rogers, Arkansas. Yeah, we'd like like <laughs> Northwest Arkansas was was awesome, or like the Ozarks. Missouri is very beautiful. They're very close to each other. They're kind of one and the same. But that little area, you which know, we would have never known about had we not RV'd. So you know, there were a lot of positives that came out of it, as much as it didn't work out for us. But I mean, ultimately, I'd, I'd like to be in a, a lot more quiet environment. But we are in our late 30s and we're hustlers. And this is a perfect place to to kind of hustle right now in Phoenix. And then we'll see here in the next few years what happens. That sounds good. Who knows with us? <laughs> no doubt. Now, where can people find you guys? Why don't you guys drop, you know, any kind of social channel, YouTube channel, anything like that where people can uh, look you up? Maybe they have questions. And uh, Yeah, I mean, we... We're on, you know, we have a YouTube channel where it started out with kind of a little bit more RV focus. Now it's, you know, making money online and sharing kind of our story with that. So that's Freeway Flippers. And then we have a Facebook page and Instagram just at Freeway Flippers. We definitely check our DMs on Instagram. So if anyone does have a question out there, I am usually the one I would say 90% of the time that's behind the account. Casey's not really that much of a social media person. But yeah, I was going to say a lot of this, uh, even like YouTube was my Amazon was a lot of my idea. I mean, I brought everything to Liz as far as this whole online adventure, both with e-commerce and social and, and YouTube. So I'm a, a very much an ideas person. Um, but when it comes to taking action, a lot of it Liz has been doing. <laughs> so when you see our YouTube channels, most of it's Liz. I plan on getting more involved. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of it has to do with the company I work for, for whatever reason, just because talking about making money outside of my job and stuff is just a little uncomfortable and kind of a conflict of interest. Yeah, it can be a conflict of interest. So I, I try to shy away from YouTube a little bit, but I, I plan on being a lot more present uh, with our freeway flippers. So. Yeah, come check us out for sure. Awesome. And I'll link all that below so you guys can uh, 
find them and connect with them. Liz, Casey, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. It was great to be able to finally uh, talk internet to internet. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to Casey and Liz for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look of what it's like to be a quitter. (laughs) I'm kidding. I really do want to thank them for coming on and being transparent and showing that you might make some choices in life, especially about going full-time RV, and it might just not work for your lifestyle, or at least for your lifestyle right now. And I really do appreciate them coming on the show and telling their story. If you want to follow more of their adventures, you can follow any of the links in the show notes below. Yeah, let them know that you heard them on the Rootless Living Podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living Podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends know about it. Just share us on any of your social media channels that you use, and it really is a big help in getting the word out. And if you happen to have a print copy, take a picture of yourself reading it, make sure to tag us, and not only will we share it on our social media, but you might make it into the next issue of the Rootless Living magazine. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com, and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.